Hey, welcome to the Home with Havla podcast. Today we are continuing our series on March mindsets. Have you guys liked this series? I hope that you have. I mean, I've heard from quite a few of you that this has been one of your favorite series. So yeah, you heard it. This is a series. And if you're just jumping on for the first time this month, you can go back. This is the fourth week of a series on mindsets, renewing the mind and just getting really deep and digging out those limiting mindsets. So I, I love it. I love that you're here. I love that God is speaking to you. I love that you are not fixated. You're not just, you know, a piece of cement. You are, you are living, you're movable. You're, you can actually grow. You can change as long as you're on the earth. God has a plan and a purpose for you. So, you know, I hope that this is speaking to you and I hope you'll do the work because it is worth it. Happy March, happy mindsets. Let's jump into the fourth part of the series. So your current thoughts are perfectly designed to deliver your current outcome. I'm going to say that again. I hope you catch this, but your current thoughts, your third, your current mindset is perfectly designed to deliver your current outcome, your current circumstances. So your thoughts are a reflection of the identity that you carry. You want to change your identity, change your thoughts. And this is really cool. So how do we begin to know that we are not doing well in our thoughts, right? What thoughts do we really want? What thoughts do we not want? We're going to talk about that. But here's what's important. The Bible's really clear that in James 1, it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now we've kind of heard this in terms of salvation. Like, you know, you got to pick a kingdom. You got to pick out where you're, where you're going to be. But I love what the Amplified says because it says a double-minded man is unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, and decides. Are you dealing with a restlessness in what you're thinking about, in what you're feeling, and in your decisions? Then you're probably double-minded. And that means you want to live in two worlds at the same time. A double-minded person, the Bible says, is unstable. It means I want to be married, but I also want to be single. I want to be a great parent, but I also want to meet all my needs when I want to meet my needs. Uh, I want to be, you know, uh, an influencer, but I'm also really influenced by things that aren't really great. You know, I want to be financially free, but I also want to spend the money when I want to spend it. And we wonder why we are so restless. And I'm like, because you're trying to live in two worlds. You have to pick a side in order to have authority. You have to pick a side and whatever, if you're in both kingdoms, you never have authority in either kingdom. So you have to choose what kingdom you're going to live in so you can have access to the authority that's within that kingdom. That's when you get the authority. You know, a person that is double-minded, uh, they, they get in their way. You know, they want to live one way and then they want to live another way. They're torn between living for God and then living for their own desires. Um, they're, they're living, you know, wanting to please God, but also wanting to please themselves or please someone else. And that's what it looks like to live double-minded. So it's important that you begin to really see, you know, where am I living double-minded? What, where, what is not serving me? And, you know, some of us, we're trying to live double-minded. We want both, but it's not going to serve us. So here's the cool part. You have a choice to make. And freedom is on the other side of that choice. When you make a choice to be all in, authority comes, 
power comes, clarity comes. If you have, a, if you make a choice, I'm going to be married. I want to be in this marriage. Guess what? The moment you stop living in both worlds, you now you have clarity to go, you know what? I'm going to be a woman that gives to this marriage, sacrifices marriage, loves this marriage. And I'm going to stop playing games with this marriage. The moment you decide I want to be the mom or the dad that I want to be to my kids. And I'm not going to just keep living through the past of what my parents did to me, or I'm better than my parents, but actually go, you know, I'm going to rise to the occasion. I may have not got raised the way I wanted to, but I'm going to, I'm not going to be sad about my upbringing when I can create someone else's upbringing. And I'm not going to be distracted by that anymore. I'm going to say, you know, if I had to choose one or the other, either having a great childhood or giving somebody a great childhood, I'll give somebody a great childhood. When you decide that the power comes, the authority comes. But if you're trying to live in the past and the present, you'll be, you'll be restless. Everything you think about, everything you feel, everything you try to decide will feel like a lose-lose. You'll never make a decision because you'll always be weighing out two sides without ever having the authority of being in that atmosphere. So here's what we do. When we renew our mind, we have to choose where are we going to go? What are we doing? What do we want? And we make that choice first. Okay, now we're going to talk about renewing the mind. I want to talk to you about the process of renewing your mind and how mind renewal happens. Are you guys still with me? I hope you are. Okay. Romans 12, two says, stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy spirit through a total reformation of which way of how you think. I mean, that's amazing. I'm going to go back, but I'm going to keep reading. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautifully beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. I'm going to read that again, because that this is the, the, uh, the, the, the passion translation for Romans 12 too, but it says, stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy spirit as a total reformation of how you think. Listen, you may have come to Christ 20 years ago. You might be a new believer, but all of us have to go through the process of having a total renovation on the way that we think. And some of us were really good at this when we were young in Christ, or maybe when we were single, or maybe when we had less duties and responsibilities, but every season needs a new mindset. Did you catch that? Every season, every upgrade, every moment, every, every change needs a new mindset. We, you know, we talk about renewing the mind as if it's a like, set it and leave it, right? Set it, you're done and leave it. This is not a crock pot. <laughs> this is not like, I'll just set it on high for 16 hours and I'll come back and look at it. No, your mindset is a frying pan. Your mindset has to be monitored. If you don't watch what's going on in the frying pan, it will be burned. It will not be okay. It will, it will not just turn out. So many times we, as Christians, we, we, we kind of treat our minds like crockpots. It's fine. It's no big deal. It'll be fine. I'll check on it later. We're really, it's a frying pan. We should be monitoring what's cooking every day to make sure that the temperature is right. The ingredients are right. Everything is exactly what we need more water from the word, whatever it is to make sure whatever we're cooking up in our minds is healthy. And so then it says, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfied and peaceful in his eyes. How do we live a beautiful, satisfied and peaceful life? How do we do that? By renewing our minds. It just gave us the secret. This is, this is the strategy. This is how we change. This is how our lives change. So cool. 
So let's talk about how do we renew our minds? If you're taking notes and you're just listening to this like on Audible um, or on podcasts, you might want to like come back to this or stop where you are, stop your run and just get a piece of paper or get your notes on your phone because this is going to be really important. There is a process to how we renew our mind. So here's the first thing. Everything in our lives are facts. Everything's a fact. And you might go, well, there's a lot of different things, but just follow me for a minute. Everything that we each know, everything that is measurable, provable, and not debatable, everything that everyone can agree on is facts. I'm a girl. My name is Havila. I am a wife. I'm a mom of four boys. I have a learning disability. I am ADHD. I am 45 years old. I live in California. Okay, these are facts. You might have facts. This is our president. We just went through COVID. These are facts, okay? Now, depending on what you believe, you know, we have facts. There are things that we just we just experienced and facts are debatable. They are the things that we all agree on. Have a look, why are we going into facts? Because this is gonna be, oh, I wish you could just, just stay with me for a minute because this is gonna radically change the way you view renewing your mind. I think your life could change at this moment. Like if you get this, this can change everything. I really believe that. So facts are circumstances. They're the things that everybody agrees on. They are neutral. They're not good or bad. Havila being a woman isn't good or bad. It's just the fact. Me being, you know, five foot three and a half, fact. Me living, me going to a specific church, fact. Me being married to Ben, fact, right? Facts, 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 facts. So they're measurable. They are, they are only become good and bad based on the thoughts that you have about them. Did you catch that? Facts are the circumstances that everybody agrees on. And the circumstances of your life, the facts of your life only become good or bad based on your thought about them. Are you tracking? I know that YouTube's with me as well. Did you guys just catch that? I mean, that is, that is, that's mind blowing. You go, okay, well, what does that mean? I'm going to tell you. So the first question is, what are the facts? Whatever battle you're in right now, whatever issue you're having right now, you need to ask yourself, what are the facts? I'm in a custody battle. I'm in a lawsuit. I'm filing for bankruptcy. I know it has a lot of emotion and story and all that around it, but I, you have to go right to what that is. Um, they have not called me, right? They did not, what they said, they said this to me, whatever it is, you want the fact. And this is very cool because once you get the fact, then you have to ask yourself, what is the story I'm telling myself about that fact? So what does that mean? It means what is the thought around that fact? Thoughts are the sentences in your head. Now, the average, again, this is hard to really fully understand, but, you know, or, or I should say calculate, but, you know, scientifically, statistically, they would say we have about 60,000 thoughts daily. 
60,000 thoughts a day go through your head. Maybe a little more for some, maybe a little less for others, but most of those go completely unsupervised. And a lot of those thoughts are not just thoughts, they're mindsets, which we'll get into, but they're sentences, sentences in your head that consistently go through your day automatically. And when we don't intentionally choose our thoughts, it's often the cause of most of our problems. So when we, we have a fact, we put a filter of a thought on it, that thought, if not checked, if not brought to trial, that thought now begins to be the filter of that fact. And then it causes problems. Why? Because thoughts don't stay right where they are. And I'm going to show you what happens next. You see, a thought is not a fact. A thought is when you add a descriptive word or an, your opinion to a fact, maybe even your belief system, even what God says to it, right? We add something to it. So what does that look like practically? Well, let's say you're working for a church and your pastor asks you to go to a meeting on a Saturday morning and you were not planning on doing that. And the pastor says, I really need you there Saturday. You know, I know I'm, not everyone can be there, but I, I really need you there. And you immediately think my boss, my, my pastor is so overly demanding. He's over. I can't believe he'd asked me to stay late. He knows I worked all week. Now he's asking me to come on Saturday. And so you immediately think, oh, he's, he's really demanding. Now I want to challenge you that that is not a fact. Your fact, the fact is not that your boss is demanding. That is your thought about what he asked, and it is your opinion. It is a thought about what he asked, and it's your opinion. How do you know if the difference between a fact and an opinion? And I, have to, I had to ask myself this because it wasn't just natural. I didn't just go, yeah, I know the difference. It's hard because it feels like fact. I mean, it seems like fact. It, you, have a, you have a whole data around it that feels like everybody knows this. Well, here's this is important. When others ha can have different thoughts about that same fact or that same circumstance, it's just opinion. So if he asked another employee to stay on a Saturday and they think, oh, it's part of my job, it's fine. Then that means that there can be a different thought around the fact. This is where it gets really good. So this is important. Even if it seems like everybody agrees with you, about the fact, about the situation, about the circumstance, it's still an opinion. Agreement does not confirm fact. Unless you have factual evidence, it is just an opinion. Maybe, uh, let's try another example. What if your example is like, you know, my husband isn't helpful. I got up, I told him, listen, I had a late night and he heard me up all night with the baby. And, you know, the little is the littles get up at, at, at six in the morning and he knows I got no sleep and, you know, he hears them for a while. And finally, I just get out of bed and I start taking care of my, my toddlers because, you know, who's going to take care of them. And I immediately think to myself, you know what? He is so selfish. He knows I was up all night and, and now I've got to take care of the, these kids. And he's just really selfish. My, I'm married to a very selfish man. 
just imagine, I could never imagine thinking this, but just imagine you think this way, okay? Now, here's, here's the truth. It is not a fact that your husband is selfish. That is not a fact. The fact is he didn't get up out of bed. That's a fact. You got up out of bed. That's a fact. But it was your thought and your opinion, and you are entitled to your thought and opinion. So that is, I'm not disrespecting or disregarding that. I'm just letting you know that that is something that you have placed on a fact. He didn't get out of bed. So my opinion is that he's selfish. And my thought is he doesn't care. And if I told eight other girlfriends about this who have littles, they would agree he is selfish. <laughs> they would agree. Absolutely. That was really selfish but that doesn't make it a fact. You see, what if you told another woman that your husband didn't get up, another mom, but she was a single mom, she might think, gosh, he's not selfish, he's there. And he took care of the kids at dinner time last night. So man, you, you are not married to a selfish man. A selfish man is the man that leaves. He's the man that, that leaves his kids. Does that make sense? So when you start to actually understand that your opinion is what created the thought and that thought is something that you created and you hold and you have to decide if that's going to serve you or not. So anytime I add a, an opinion, a feeling, or a belief to a fact, I've created a thought. Are you with me? YouTube, are you with me? I hope you're with me. Anytime I've created, anytime I've added to the basic ingredient of a fact, I've added an opinion, a belief, a feeling around that, I've created a thought. And anytime we have to add anything to it, we've modified the fact. Once we modify a fact, it's now a thought. And it's our thought. It could be a collective thought. could be the, everybody's thought but it's a thought. And so if you don't practice thinking intentionally, you'll repeat the same thoughts that you've always had. So if you don't stop and say, I want to, I want to heal this with my husband. Like we have a lot of tension around the littles. If I don't start to challenge that he's selfish, then I'm going to always think that no matter if he gets the dinner plate or whether he puts the dishes away or whether he gets the diaper or whether he's left trash. In the, I'm going to continue this narrative because I've created a thought, a mindset around who he is and why he's doing it. And my opinion and what I believe is the right thing that he is not doing. Okay, good. You guys get it. So the second question and the second thing you need to understand is, so I have a fact. I add a thought to that, which is I've added whether I know it or not. And that thought now creates a feeling, a feeling. If the boss, your, if the pastor asked you to stay late, you might say, I am upset because he knows I've worked all week and this is too much. What you're experiencing is the feeling of being upset. You might say, he made me angry. No, he's not that powerful. He created a fact. He did something that created a fact. You created the thought behind it. 
And now your thought is creating the emotion behind it. If you believe that that automatic thought is fact, then yes. If you believe he is overbearing and not grateful for what you've done, then you will believe he created the emotion of that. But if you actually unpack it to that, he didn't create that, I did, then I get to stay powerful. Now, feelings often get confused with thoughts. So we will think like I'm, you know, I'm like, let's say I I have a feeling that my husband is out to hurt me or that my husband doesn't want to help me. That's a feeling that I have, but I now have created into a thought. So I'm like, that's my thought. He doesn't want to help me. No, that's a thought that I feel. And they're both different things, but they both are mine. Does that make sense? I put both of those on my plate. One came before the other, but they're both mine. And so it's very important that we distinguish between thoughts and feelings. Because when we distinguish between thoughts and feelings, we have the recipe to feeling and and having a better life. This is annoying (laughs) because I... There is something in us that really feels comforted when we believe we're powerless to the narrative, because then we don't have to really show up and we, we can be validated for the disrespect or the neglect or the pain that that person has caused. And we, we think it's helping, but it's not helping us because now we think that's a factual thing when really it's something that we own and we can change. Here's where what happens. We have a fact that we create a thought around that, that thought creates an emotion and it can lead us down a sad, depressed, anxious path. Or we can have a fact and we pick the right thought around that. And that thought links us to really good feelings and emotions and experiences that allow us to live a better life, a powerful life. It's very cool. You with me, YouTube? I hope you are. So understand that your thoughts cause your feelings. When you understand that your thoughts cause your feelings, you learn to feel better without having to change your circumstances. Did you catch that? When you understand that your thought, thoughts change your feelings, you learn that you can feel better without any of the facts changing because the power's in the thought, not in the fact. How many of you know people that have fantastic facts and their attitudes are terrible, right? How many of you, you want to go, really? Like the last I knew, that seems like a piece of cake. You're living your best life. Why is it so terrible? Remind me again, why that's so bad? Well, because their thought has created it as a terrible experience rather than it being their own filter. So we begin to look at our thought creating our feeling. So we identify what our feeling is. The feeling that that the pastor asked you to stay late is the feeling of being upset. You have to admit, I feel upset. Don't feel shame. Don't feel blame. Don't feel bad. That's okay. You can be sad and not feel bad. Okay. This is important. One of you asked, but what if you feel like you're lying to yourself because of a thought? 
Yeah, I know. And I want to talk about that because that's one of the questions I had when I was beginning to understand this. So we're going to get to that. If you stick with me, I will answer that question. So your feeling is upset. Your thought about the experience, the, the fact that the situation um, is actually created the experience of those around you. So if your boss was asking you to stay late, it's not because in and of itself, it's upsetting because that's a neutral experience. Your thought, believing that he is over demanding has caused you to feel upset. The fact that your husband didn't get out of bed to help with the kids, is it factual that he is selfish? But the fact that you believed that he should have helped you and that that was the right thing to do and that was being selfish caused you to feel either alone or sad or frustrated or, you know, isolated, whatever that emotion is. And so your thought that you believe something causes the feeling to rise up and your brain, this is important, your brain is programmed to avoid pain. Your brain is, is to avoid pain at all costs. So we will avoid um, a resist or even react to negative emotions. So if you have a negative emotion, you will immediately own it and try to fix it because you don't like that feeling. That feeling causes you to act. And so it's important to learn to notice and acknowledge and name the feeling that you're experiencing. This is really hard for me. I don't know about you guys. This is really hard for me. Like I was talking about this with a friend recently and she was saying, you know, I um, am working on this in my life, not me personally, but my friend is. And she said, I was having a birthday party for my son. It's my only son. I have two other daughters and I wanted to throw this amazing birthday party for him. He's my only son. And to be honest, I, I didn't have really great birthday parties growing up. And so it's something that I decided I would give my kids. So she said, you might hear my dogs in the back background. Let's hope that they calm down. Um, so basically she says, I come home and the party's in an hour and a half and he's sitting on the couch and the house needs help. I still have to make, you know, certain meals. I still have to decorate. I still have to do all these things. And he's sitting there. And she said, I wanted to run over to him and say, can you please help me? You know, I've got a party in an hour. You know, I've got to do this, this, and this. What are you doing? But she stopped herself. And she thought, what is the fact? The fact is the party's in an hour. The fact is he's sitting on the couch. I've just labeled him as being insensitive or selfish or neglecting what we need to get done. But what is happening? So she got curious and she began to say, why am I feeling so anxious about this? Oh, I know because I didn't have a good childhood. I want to make sure my kids have this and I, I may be putting that pressure on him. There's a thought, you know what? I think I'm putting this on him. I'm looking at him not participating as lazy and unhelpful and I could be thinking of, you know what, I'm trying to heal some of my own wounds and I'm probably putting some things on him that I haven't communicated. And then she went a little deeper and she said, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm too much for this family. I can't pull all this off. And I just feel overwhelmed by my own desire to make this happen. So she said, I walked over to my husband and I said, honey, I still have this, this, and this to do. And I'm feeling really overwhelmed because I'm trying to give my son this great birthday. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have great birthdays and I'm just feeling alone in this desire to do this. Will you help me? 
And she said, and she said, I broke down in tears. And she said, I just, I just think maybe I just try to do too much for our family because I wanted to be so amazing. And I just feel ashamed by that. And she said, he started to cry and she started to cry. And he said, honey, I love this about you. You're the one that makes our family fun. You're the one that tries these things. And I want to help you do this. And she said, he immediately engaged and began to work on the getting things done. She goes, we got it done in an hour. And I wasn't yelling and, and creating a whole trial about why he wasn't helping and how nobody helps, but he wanted to help. Another example she talked about is she asked him to help her with the laundry. And so they had this plan to do the laundry, but by the end of the week, the laundry hadn't, get, hadn't been done. And she said, immediately I realized, oh wait, the, the laundry hadn't been done. So he must be, he's, he's not wanting to help me. He thinks I can do this on my own and I can't do this on my own because I began to create this whole narrative of why he didn't help me. And she said, and then I stopped and realized, how does this make me feel? When I see that the laundry hasn't been done, not what I believe about him or what I believe about myself, what feeling am I having? And she said, I began to realize I feel alone. Like life is hard. There's a lot coming at me and I can't do this on my own. And I feel alone that he would not help me. And she said, so I decided I would approach him with my feeling rather than my thought. She said, my thought was, you know, you didn't care. You didn't want to do this, but she said, I revealed my feeling, which is honey. I know we talked about doing dishes. I mean, doing laundry. And she said, I knew in my heart, I had to actually know in my mind what is good about him. What is the truth about him? And she goes, but the truth is he went to work every day that week. You know, he loves us. He's fighting for our marriage. He's fighting for our future. I know that about him. So she, she grounded herself in that fact and that truth, I should say, in that, in that thought. And she began to have emotions of, you're right. He wants to help. So she brought her feeling to him. She said, I feel alone because you wouldn't, because you didn't do the laundry. It makes me feel like I'm alone and I'm carrying this whole thing on my own. And she said, immediately, he said, oh, I, I get it. No, I don't want you to feel that way. Of course I want to help. And he began to explain to her what had happened and none of what her thought process was, was true. So this is what we're talking about. We're talking about identifying your feeling. Do you feel lonely? Do you feel painful? Do you feel excited about that? What identifying that? And usually it's important to identify it in like one word, describe it in one word. I'm, that makes me feel angry, frustrated, proud, fearful, confident, relaxed, whatever it is, identify that emotion. And this is the cool part because your thoughts create your feelings. You get to choose how you want to think and therefore how you want to feel. So there are certain thoughts that create a feeling. It doesn't mean you have to ignore your feeling. If you're feeling alone right now, I can't go, well, go back to your thoughts and fix it. No, acknowledge I'm feeling alone. So what thought led me to feeling this way? So you can work your way backward. So instead of just starting at the entry point of here's a fact, some of you have to start with, this is what's happening in my life. Here's how it's making me feel. Why? And you start to take the why, why do I feel this way? And begin to backtrack it to what was the thought? What was the origin of that feeling? And that's how you begin to grow. Does that make sense? So here's, it's this really good news because no one can cause you to feel a certain way. Your thoughts about some, what someone else did or didn't do can drive you to feel something, but that is not true. They can drive you to an invitation to feel something but you can actually go back and go, I feel really angry. I feel very, you know, overwhelmed. I feel 
you know, whatever it is. And so what am I believing? One of the, one of the feelings that I tend to partner with that doesn't help me. Can I just be honest? Is that is being overwhelmed. I tend to partner with being overwhelmed. I'm just overwhelmed. I've got too much going on. The facts are, I do have a lot going on, but when I partner with being overwhelmed, I have, I had to go back and go, why do I always feel overwhelmed? And it is because the origin of that feeling is the thought that I have to do everything on my own. And the origin of that thought is that I'm work harder than most people. And so I have a right to be tired, which gives me a right to relax, which gives me a right for rest. And that's not a good, healthy process. That means I'm getting, because I feel overwhelmed, I get the rest that I need. My, my real need is rest, but the way that I get there is not a healthy path. It's not, I'm human. I'm allowed to take a day off. I'm allowed to rest. And it is okay. It's not going to ruin my kids. If they see that mom is sat on the couch and laid down for a while, that's okay. Instead, I go, I'm not tired. I'm overwhelmed. And because I'm overwhelmed, I'm doing more than everybody else. So if I crash, that's your fault because I'm doing more than you. That's not a healthy process. Does that make sense? I may have told too much on myself, but I hope that that helps you. So your choices are what you do, don't do, or react to. Your feelings cause your actions, inactions, and reactions. So if you're feeling upset about your boss asking you to stay late and you decide to complain about your boss all week to everybody else, the upset, the, the upset feeling that you have is driving the action of complaining to others. I'm sorry, Barkley. So you might be upset, but remember you've decided to be upset and now you're putting choices to it. So this is how it works. And Jennifer, we're getting to your question. I know you had a lot about that and I want to get there. So here's how it goes. I have a fact. I have a circumstance. It has no good or bad to it until I, I add a thought. That thought then gives me a feeling about it. And through my feelings, I tend to make my choices, right? I tend to make my choices, not all the time, but in general, our choices are what we do about the emotion or what the thought, our opinion, or what we believe it's all linked up to that. So, you know, many times we go, well, I don't like the results that I'm getting. And it's important to actually go, why am I not getting the results that I want? Why am I not actively doing the thing that I want to do or need to do or should do? It's important to go back and ask yourself, what was I feeling right before I, right before I wanted to take action and didn't? What was I feeling before I sabotaged my healthy choice? If you can get to that critical moment in the process, if you can stop right there and say, before I, you know, engaged in looking at porn and I don't want to look at porn. That's not what I'm trying to do with my life. It's not healthy for my marriage. It's not healthy for my, my sexuality. When I started looking at it, I have to say, instead of feeling ashamed and bad and, you know, repenting and just trying to get out of it, it's better to go, what was I feeling? Before I did the thing, I ate the thing I wasn't supposed to. I, I did the thing. I, I lost it in anger. I, I, I betrayed the person I want to be. I disrespected the person I'm trying to be on the earth and to my family or to myself. What was it? You ask the question, what was I feeling at that moment? And that is going to give you insight. Was I, we say, we use the word hold. Was I hurting, angry, lonely, or tired? Was I hurting, angry, lonely, or tired? And that hurting, angry, lonely, or tired 
can lead you to what thought did I have at that moment? And that's where it begins to take place. Okay, so let's look at this. This is what we're gonna get into. I wanna teach you for a few minutes about how to renew your mind. And I wanna give you a five minute practice and I wanna show you what it looks like to renew your mind even when you have something that you know is maybe true because it's the thought that you have and you feel like you're lying to yourself. I wanna get into the truth about that. Okay, you guys, that's it for this week's Mindset Makeover experience. I think that sounds kind of weird. Podcast. Okay. Um, I hope that you enjoyed it. Listen, if you're listening to this in real time, you are officially one week away from our Wonder Conference. Our Wonder Conference is a women's conference in Northern California, Reading at our church, Bethel. And we have a few seats left at this conference. So if you want to come in and hang out with us, come. It's actually next Wednesday night, all day Thursday, all day Friday. Stay for the healing rooms on Saturday. Pop in on Sunday for the messages. It is a full, fun, and encouraging weekend, and I encourage you to be here. But if you are not local, and there's just no way, I get it. We are actually streaming the entire conference on Bethel TV. So make sure you sign up. You can get a registration for that. You can join in. You can grab your girlfriends, hang out, watch it, and you always have access to it. We have Lisa Bevere, Krista Smith, Callie, uh, I want to say her name, Higginiger. That's not it. I'll figure it out. (laughs) We have Jen Johnson, myself, um, and then tons of worship, tons of uh, Inspire sessions. It's going to be a full couple days, and we're going to go into the wonder of us, why we were made the way we are, and how to really find the wonder of God in us. So oh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm sure you can tell. Uh, so anyway, that's it for now. I will see you next week on our last part of the Renewing the Mind Mindset March series. I think it's called March, March Mindsets. Anyway, that's it for now. If you enjoyed this, don't forget to leave me a review. Leave me five stars. You guys, I read every review. I promise. So if you like it, let me know. Otherwise, I'll catch you next time. Thank you.